When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right, that means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare here. Hello and welcome to the Upper Quartile Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Aiello, and I am joined, as always, by the Athletics Indianapolis Colts beat writer, James Boyd. James, it's football season. I woke up this morning excited. We get to, we get to watch. It's Thursday morning. We get to watch actual NFL football. And I decided, I was like, okay, I'm thinking about the podcast. I'm thinking there's been a lot of negativity with Jonathan Taylor and a lot of <laughs> negativity. Just this team's not going to be very good and all that stuff. And I was like, you know what? The first day of the season, let's just, you know what? Let's have a positive podcast. Let's do our best to steer away from as much of the negativity as we can and just try to have a fun, good time talking about the Colts and talking about the good things that we're looking forward to. Does that sound okay with you? <laughs> that sounds great to me. There's going to be plenty of negative podcasts. I think we forget that sometimes. It is a game. It is fun. And this time of year, I get so excited because you've waited so long and I'm thinking about my offseason like, wow, we were talking about who's going to be the coach. You know, we were talking about at the Senior Bowl, hey, who is it that they might be looking at? And then you get forward to the draft and you find out, okay, they're actually going to go with the number four pick and stay there. Who's going to be available? Oh, it's Anthony Richardson. So there's been so much buildup, so much hype and so much change. And I've had this conversation with so many different people on so many different platforms. This is the first cult season in some time where it just feels like it's new. It's fresh. It's exciting. I mean, even last year there was excitement, but it was like, you know, a lot of question marks about, okay, how long can Matt Ryan last? Is this one or two year thing? And then you had Jim Irsay saying, oh, it's, it could be three or four. Now we know Anthony Richardson will be here for the long haul, ideally. And it's exciting because the kid has great character. Obviously, he has great athleticism. And then they're hoping that he can become a great player. So I'm very, very hyped up. And then tonight, obviously, Thursday night football, I'm ready for it. I mean, I don't have to cover it, so which is great because right. I don't like late games, so I'm with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you're in luck because the Colts have, like, what, one this year? I <laughs> I've said this on record. It, the, the world doesn't know about Anthony Richardson yet, Colts fans. Okay, so to give, give us this year to get our bearings. But honestly, seriously, if he balls out in a few games, you can guarantee they're going to have – some primetime games next year. So I'll take my break this year. I will get done early. I'll kick my feet up on Sundays and watch this Sunday night game and that Monday night game, that Thursday night game. So don't bother me or, or, or annoy me then, Colts fans. But, you know, I, I do think that if he has some of those lecture performances, particularly against like a Bryce Young, when they go there, that'll become a thing where I'm sure NFL uh, decision makers will be like, okay, we got to get this kid on TV if he is as, as good as advertised. So I'm excited for it, man. I can't say it enough. Excitement is definitely the word of the day. Yeah, exactly. So good. All right, we're going to try. Like I said, I'm not promising no negativity on this podcast because, again, we're talking about a Colts (laughs) team that is probably not going to win a lot of games this year. We'll get to how many exactly soon. But 
I'm not promising no negativity. I'm just promising that you and I are going to do our best to talk about the positive aspects of this team and the things that we're looking forward to the most. So obviously we have Anthony Richardson. We're going to get to that. And again, I'll just tease. James has got some awesome stuff on Anthony Richardson coming out tomorrow, Friday and on Sunday. I'll talk more about that in a little bit, but again, like some really cool stuff. So get ready for that. But again, I feel like this podcast has been JT pretty, pretty much since I've joined it at least. And then occasionally some Anthony Richardson stuff. And then that's pretty much it. So I want to talk to you about some breakout players, some players, some young players. Again, I think we're all expecting decent things from DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart, Kenny Moore, you know, a lot of some of those guys, even, you know, maybe the offensive line bounces back some of those guys. But I want to talk to you about some guys that who are some of the young guys that you were thinking are going to step up this year that we're not counting on, you know, Colts fans aren't counting on as building blocks now, but entering the next offseason, you're looking going, maybe this guy can be somebody we count on into the future. Man, I think that cornerback room, you could just throw anybody in that mix outside of Kenny Moore. I mean, Daryl Baker Jr. wrote a story on him. Check that out. You know, Dallas Flowers wrote a story on him. Check that out. Even the dark horse candidate, Jalen Jones, if someone gets dinged up, does he get in and get an opportunity there? And they're really high on him. I had a conversation with Zaire yesterday, and he was talking about how they had a, a good showing for seventh round picks, and he believes he could be the next one. So I think that cornerback room is huge. But realistically, it seems like Dallas and DJ, Daryl Baker, are going to be the, the players that go out there and start on the outside. And I would be naive to think, oh, okay, these guys are going to be their cornerbacks to the future. But if they hit on one of them, that is a win, mainly because they're really young. They're still pretty young. You know, they're older because they, uh, you know, went undrafted and, and went to a bunch of different schools, at least in uh, Dallas's case. And then with DJ, I believe he spent six years at Georgia Southern. And so that matters. They're like 25 and 26 years old. However, you know, if they show something, I think that that answers one of the questions that we had coming into this season is, what are they going to do on the outside? What are they going to do at the cornerback position? And how inexperienced can you be before making that jump to being a starter? That's definitely a group I'm looking at for sure. And then beyond that, I would say a guy like Nick Cross is somebody we can look at. I know he's looked at as a building block going forward, but he's kind of been like under the radar. You know, he's he, he's sort of flown under the radar. You know, last year he was kind of tossed in the fire and, and maybe not as prepared as you saw Jim. And then they because he started, I believe, like the first two games, and he basically became a special teamer for the rest of the year. And this offseason, he looked really good moving around from nickel to strong safety to free safety. And Gus Bradley has talked about this, and I think it's a good problem for him to be complaining about. It's like, you know, we have Julian Blackman. We have, you know, Rodney Thomas II. And we have also another guy who can play, but we got to find a way to get him on the field. And so that'll be exciting to see how they work that out. But those are some names that I think, you know, right now, maybe they aren't at the forefront of your mind, but they can be going forward. And obviously on the offensive side of the ball, to me, it, it comes down to, you know, honestly, not even joking. I think it could be Kylan Granson. I think Kylan Granson made a case to really help himself. I did not feel this way about him last year, but it seems like out of all the tight ends, he's the one so far that has developed the most chemistry with Anthony Richardson. And also, as you talked about earlier um, on a previous podcast with you, Jim, he's helped him. Like, the receivers have to help him in a certain extent. Like, every ball is not going to be exactly on the money. It is not going to be right in your chest every single time. But he seems to be catching anything in his vicinity. And if that keeps up, obviously the trust factor builds up. And then just – you know, being able to deliver the ball to him makes a ton of difference for him. So I think that his skill set being sort of like that 
tight end slash wide receiver masquerade could work really well. It's funny you brought up Nick Cross. Nick Cross is one of the ones I was thinking about when I asked this question. It was just going to, you know, I, I read a quote. I think it was Ballard was talking about him the other day. I mean, they they drafted him. He was 20 years old. He was 20. Yeah. Like, that is young. <laughs> young. He's 21. He turns 22 in a few days, I think. He's a young player. So, again, I think there's a lot of disappointment based on what happened last year. But I think you also have to give those guys, especially, again, I think I still think secondary – I don't think people understand how hard it is to come and play secondary in the NFL with all the ticky tack rules that they have and all the different coverages and all the different, it's hard, man. It's really hard. And when you're that young and that inexperienced, like you got to give that kid a couple of years to try to figure it out. So I like that one a lot. Granson's interesting. I was wondering again, my, my fantasy brain was like, is he going to say Josh Downs? I'd like him to say Josh Downs. But I also, <laughs> <laughs> but I also like Kylan Granson is an interesting one because like you said, he's going to need that over the middle target. Steichen has had a history of working with tight ends, especially guys, you know, Dallas Goddard types, Zach Ertz types, uh, you know, uh, I think I think he was with Hunter Henry in, in the, with the Chargers. So he's had productive tight ends in his offenses. And Granson certainly fits the mold as a guy that can, you know, be a, a big pass catcher for Anthony Richardson. And, you know, you're going to have these guys on. I'm expecting this offense to look like 100% RPO, just RPO, RPO. And, and just AR is going to make a read and then oh pull and quick flip to downs over the middle or and then or Granson. Okay, I like Granson right over the middle, eight yards, six yards, whatever it is. That's kind of how I'm picturing a lot of this offense in my head. So here's a question I have for you. How many more or less do we see more slides from Anthony Richardson than traditional dropbacks? Oh, my gosh. That's a really, he said he slid really like seven times his life. Because I asked him, I said, do you know how to slide? And everyone swears that he knows how to slide. But, Jim, I am calling BS because I have not seen it at any level. I mean, I didn't watch, obviously, every single snap at Florida. But I'm not sure he's a slider. And I'm curious to see how much more we see sliding, traditional dropback. It's so funny, man, because he's obviously we, we talk about he's the most athletically gifted quarterback that's ever come to the combine. I There are so many athletic players in the NFL that have not I don't have the first clue about sliding. I don't know what happened to them in Little League or if they didn't play Little League or what. <laughs> but like this is a basic like it, you got to get the slip and slide out. You just you just you learn how to slide. But like I, I mean, I hope he can. Because as big as he is, and again, it's it was watching him in the preseason running up against some of those corners that were trying to tackle him. It's just kind of comical to, to like watch that. So you won't really need to slide against a couple of those guys. But man, the linebackers, the linebackers and the safeties, you're gonna want to get down or get out of bounds. Which again, I'll give him credit. Watching during the preseason, he did he did slip out of bounds. Did a good job doing that. So if you're asking me for an over under predict, I'll tell. I mean, a, a more than prediction, I'll take the traditional dropbacks. Because you're right. I got to see him slide first. <laughs> I mean, I got, I, we have to see it happen. But the way I'm picturing this offense, I think he's going to take deep shots, Alec Pierce. I think he's going to do a lot of those RPO things over the middle to, to guys like out of the slot downs and Granson. How do you kind of see Michael Pittman fitting in? Because he's not really the downfield guy. He can be, obviously, he can be a downfield threat. And obviously, he caught a ton of short passes last year. So he could be involved in a lot of that stuff, crossers, things over the middle. But where do you see his, you know, I don't know, is his role going to be different than it was last year? How, how is it going to be for Michael Pittman this year? That's the hard part, and it's something that I'll definitely have to evaluate because you're, to your point about Josh Downs, the reason I didn't name him is because I think everyone is in consensus about him being a part of the future and a big building block. He's going to do what he does for the most part, and the only knock on him really come out of the draft was his size. Other than that, everyone was super high on his you know, route running, hands, tough, and he even talked about, he talked about going across the middle the art of absorbing hits, you know, rolling out of hits, you know, ducking down, making sure like you can't duck everything, but making sure that you don't take unnecessary risks when you do go across the middle. And obviously the league is different now. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to go across the middle now and have Ryan Clark, you know, deck you like he did with the, with the Steelers back in the day, at least back in when I was growing up. So I do think that Pittman 
can do a lot of those things across the middle in the slot. He's the most versatile receiver they have. But to me, I am curious to know, he's not a true deep threat. He's not going to beat you deep because of the speed. But how many 50-50 balls does he get a chance to come down with? I think that's the key to unlocking him in this offense. It's giving him a chance. Because I do think that Pittman is still very good when it's me or you in the air because of his big body, his tenacity. And then he just has that that want to sometimes where he just wants it more than the other guy. Yes, it's a cliche, but that's, that's the only way I can really describe his game because there isn't a lot of things that he does to me that like flashes a lot or like catches your attention where you say, oh, that is elite. He's just really, really good in a lot of areas, if that makes sense. Like, I don't I don't know if he's a, a A-plus in route running or A-plus in speed or A-plus in contested catches, but he's like a B in almost everything. And so I do think that that's going to allow him to have more opportunities at the ball and more opportunities to catch the ball. And I think if there comes a time where, like, wait, where's Pittman? If there's anybody they can really work into the offense in any way, it's him. Like whether it's 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 a crossing route, whether it's a deep post, whether it's you know an out route, whatever it is, he can run it. And long as it's him and another guy, you can pretty much trust that you know if he doesn't come down with it, it won't be an interception unless it's just way off or something like that. So I'm curious to know what he does look like in this offense though, because of all the players, him being the most veteran, but also kind of like the biggest question mark, a little weird to me because the other guys, their skill sets are more you know, pigeonholed. So, you know, Josh Downs is a slot guy. You know, Alec Pierce is, I mean, for better or worse, he's been a deep guy and he has to get a deep guy. I will say that Alec Pierce rough preseason, he's got to show us something that you talk about building blocks going forward. Second round pick. We got to see some second round pick jump or, or growth this season, but Pittman, I mean, let's not forget that he is sort of making sure or auditioning for more money. And so he's going to get, he's going to get his money regardless but I do think a, a great showing, obviously, this season, or at least a thousand yard season or something like that, would help his case a lot more than coming out here and failing to clip a thousand yards again and not having the excuse of saying, oh, we didn't have a quarterback that could push the ball down the field. So we'll see how it goes. But I, I think that, um, you know, it also, also comes down to how comfortable AR feels back there and who he develops that chemistry with and just getting a ton of reps. He got a lot of reps with Pittman in the offseason. Um, they obviously they went down there to Miami, you know, remember for that, that little a mini like mini camp before training camp so um, that's huge and um, I'm excited to see what he looks like in this offense because I mean it's a big year for him and obviously I think the Colts want to keep him around everyone keeps talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. he's not here he's on anybody's team yet and although be great and if you ask me like you know in a vacuum who you want you know that or that if I had to choose it would obviously be Marvin Harrison but it doesn't work like that and and, and, and me being like greedy I'm like why not have both have you know, both, guy, yeah. <laughs> if the guy plays well, you pay him, and then your team doesn't do that well, you get the other guy. So we'll see how that goes. I just want to bring up one narrative that is a little bit – It's again, I, I don't want to do too much crossing over the Eagles with Steichen and things like that, but I will say that there was a lot of talk when they when they traded for A.J. Brown last year. And again, these guys are slightly different builds, though not that much different. Pippen's a few inches taller, but, uh, but they're about the same weight, him and A.J. Brown. There was a lot of talk about A.J. Brown because he actually wasn't a true – deep ball downfield threat in Tennessee. He did some of that, obviously, kind of like Pittman, some, but more was the get the ball over the middle to him in a crossing situation and let him run after the catch, which I think A.J. Brown's probably a little better after the catch, but Pittman's still very good after the catch. But then he got into Steichen's offense, and it was like, oh, he can do some of that downfield stuff too. We can use him as a vertical deep threat, and we can use him as the crossing guy, and we can throw quick screens to him. I think the offense will dictate maybe, or and, and Michael Pittman, like you said, he's kind of good at everything. Maybe we'll see a little bit more of the skill set emerge on the downfield stuff just because of what the Steichen offense might look like. Now, again, 
Jalen Hurts was a few years in his development and obviously played at a MVP caliber level. So I'm not saying that you're going to see like tit for tat, <laughs> like production from Pittman and AJ Brown. I'm just saying that you might see it's possible. We might see a little bit more different variables to Pittman's game this year than we did last year. And again, cause I think going in, I think it was a lot of questions about what AJ Brown could do. And then he kind of showed that he had a little bit more in his bag. I think a tidbit I want to add to your point is because of the RPO stuff because of the read stuff, like the read option, that to me creates a different dynamic because if you are a safety that cheats up, if you are a cornerback that takes a step inside because you think the quarterback is going to run, that creates way more opportunities for Pittman to beat you outside, to beat you deep. And, you know, we can joke about, oh, he's not that fast. He's fast enough. Like, it's not like he's like, you know, a snail out there. He can, he can get down there, especially if you get beat by one or two steps. And I think that's the math that the Colts are working with now, it's, okay, can we change the numbers? Can we sway the defense in our favor? Because unlike last year where we had a guy back there that everyone knew wouldn't run, we do have a guy where if you are, you know, sort of too conservative with some of your uh, your, your coverages deep, he'll just gut you up across the middle if you if, if that guy you're, you have on him spying misses. And that's the thing about Anthony Richardson that is most enticing about him. It's the unscripted stuff. And I think that's usually what separates a lot of really good quarterbacks in this league, especially nowadays because you have more dual threat guys. They do stuff where sometimes the defense is right. It was the right call. It was the best coverage. And it was like, okay, but my guy is better than your guy athletically, or he made this D end miss, or this one guy who's supposed to tackle him, he broke that tackle. Now he's not going to do that every single play. But I do think we're going to have quite a highlight reel of Anthony Richardson just doing stuff that – you know, defies the defense that was the right call. And and again, if you do that enough, and, and again, you don't want to be super superman or superhero, but if you do that every now and then, it does put that bit of doubt in, in a defender's mind, like, okay, maybe I got to help my guy a little bit more. And when you do that, boom, uh, you, you get beat. You get beat across the middle or, or deep or whatever for a score. So that sounds like it's going to be a big part of Shanks like his offense. He kept saying, like, you know, he does define his offense off of explosive plays. And although they're going to be, I think, conservative in some senses, because you're working with a very raw quarterback, the deep threat, the big playability is why, essentially, Anthony Richardson is starting over Gardner Minshew. Like, if it was all about completion percentage and, you know, getting stuff, you know, uh, uh, to the to receivers and making sure that every ball goes to the guy – it will be Minshew, but no, it's about making sure you have those plays that really change games because to him, I think Shane Steichen's two biggest things, you know, beyond, you know, some of the more general coaching stuff is explosive plays and also making sure that they're able to, you know, just keep the defense honest. So I think explosive plays and turnovers. He's like, hey, give, give me the ball back, and then we have to make sure we, we we keep them honest. And so I'm excited for that, and I think that's going to be very interesting to see also how you do it without a guy like JT to kind of help you know, with some of that, that masquerading. So we'll see. Just real quick. I looked up there 40 times. It was a four, five, two for Pittman and a four, four, nine for AJ Brown. So not again, not a monster difference between the two guys. Again, I'm not comparing them, but not a huge difference. Right. And the I ran like guy a I four, two about... in high school. So I was like, last guy I wanted to ask about. And again, like, I think this is the biggest one. I don't know if this is a, I mean, you didn't name him as a breakout candidate. So this is maybe just a, like, we'll see, but I think the biggest potential question mark for this team and again somebody Ballard brought up recently man it would be great for the Colts if he was a building block is, is Bernard Ryman what have you seen from him in the preseason and training camp and do you think hey maybe this is the left tackle of the future all right so I don't feel like oh my gosh they're starting him at left tackle like I did last year he has looked a lot better he's obviously a little bit heavier this year he looks more comfortable 
my issue is maybe at right guard with Will Fries. I'm like, okay, is he a starting caliber right guard? Was it the right decision to not really bring anybody in to compete with that job for him or, or people with him for that job? So that's my biggest issue. But I do think Bernard Ryman is a lot, you know, uh, better, a lot sounder, a lot more confident. And honestly, Jim, he is one of the coolest guys to talk to because he is candid. And I don't know if that's like because he's not an American born player. And I'm not saying that in like a negative way. I just mean he didn't grow up in the culture of American sports where you never really admit your fears or your faults to the media if you can't help it. A lot of guys are in it, it, football is a prideful sport, there's a lot of ego involved. And, you know, you're going to say, oh, well, you know, I'll fix that for next time. Oh, I'm building, you know, iron sharpens iron. Oh, I'm, bu- I'm building every day, but one day at a time. He doesn't have any of those like cliches. So if you ask him about a play, he'll be like, oh, yeah, I was bad on that. And I have to get better at this. And, yeah, it was a time last year where I might have been a little less confident because I was getting my butt kicked by this player or that player. And so I think all of those things has kind of helped mold him. And then Tony Soprano Jr., he's talked very highly about him as the offensive line coach. And he was talking about how, you know, Bernard's taking a step forward. And they've said Bernard is our guy. Chris Ballard has said that. Shane Steichen in the whole, you know, front office. So, for better or worse, he is that guy. But I say I feel very, way more confident about him than other, you know, than that other spot on the line, which is right guard. I mean, I feel like if he is good, not only will it, you know, obviously help the team, you have your long-term answer at one of the most important positions in the sport. Because we know that left tackle spot for a right-handed passer, you have to be able to protect your guy and to make sure that he stays upright. So um, I'm excited about him. Obviously, a lot of it is still kind of vanilla because you're like, okay, how many real pass rushes are you going to see throughout the preseason? You know, how much are you, I, I thought that, the, you know, during the joint practices, he looked pretty good, but now, you know, obviously on the biggest stage, um, you know, come Sunday, that's going to be a, a talking point for sure. If he doesn't hold up. And that's also why I would never want to be an offensive lineman or a defensive back, because you can have 60 great snaps and then one bad one. And everyone's like, this guy's horrible. Get him off the team. See, I told you, you shouldn't have had him. And it's like, dang, man, so um, I, I'm curious to see how long he can go without having a slip up like he did last year or, or having a, a, a play where it's like a head scratcher. You're going to get beat. Obviously, it's the NFL. Those guys are getting paid, too. They're really good. There's my cliche for you. But um, I do think that, you know, he's a guy who's better than he was last year and, take, and made strides, I think, even from, you know, veteran minicamp to where he is now and going into week one. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I don't want to bring everything back to Anthony Richardson, but it kind of leads me to the next question, which is like, you know, what does success look like for this team? If these guys can protect Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richardson has the best chance to develop. I mean, so yeah, I mean, I wrote this question down. And again, we talked about some of these guys breaking out. I think that's part of what success looks like for this team is some of these younger guys stepping up, establishing more building blocks, because let's be honest, like warning some negativity coming. Some of the building blocks on the current, like current building blocks of the culture are getting up there in age, right? Like they're not, and they might not be here much longer. I mean, some of these guys are closer to closer to 30 and the kind of their contracts are expiring. And so they need this new wave of young players to join Anthony Richardson, hopefully, and to start establishing kind of a new culture and a new, you know, Colts team for the future. 
certainly Chris Ballard needs that to be the case. So yeah, I write this question down and I say, what does success look like? I mean, we can talk about wins, but I don't think anyone's picking this team to win the AFC South this year. Obviously no one's picking this team to go to the playoffs. So, you know, January rolls around. This team is, you know, lost, you know, double digit games, maybe probably, but you're still, you're lighting a story and you're saying, you know what? I think a lot of good happened this year. What are the kind of the big picture things you're talking about? And again, I think it's fine to start with Anthony Richardson, I suppose. Absolutely. I mean, it's all about his development, all about what he looks like, like you said, come January. And if you felt like he is a dude, he is someone that you can build around. He's talk to talk, walk to walk. Everyone in that locker room seems to really like the guy. And it was funny because we asked him about being voted a team captain because it was the first time we talked to him yesterday since that happened. And he's like... (laughs) He's like, I was shocked. And I'm like, he says that about everything. And I'm like, I don't know if it's endearing or if it's like, <laughs> I, I just don't like view myself as, as being this, this, this figure, this dynamic player. And he's like, yeah, because I didn't vote for myself. And I'm like, that's <laughs> such like a, a humble thing to say, because I'm not going to lie to him. Every time I had to vote for anything in my life and it involved me and, and an opportunity <laughs> to advance, I'm voting for me. Like T.O. said, I love me some me. So I think that uh, his humility obviously helps. But I think it's all about decision-making and getting his feet right. Because as we saw throughout the preseason, when he misses, his feet are usually not set and they're not all in unison with the rest of his body. Because when he gets that stuff down, the ball usually goes where it's supposed to go. But when he doesn't, it's either off target or and usually off target and high. And so I, I think there's going to be a lot of times this year, I talked to Kevin Bowen about this on 107.5 The Fan. He was saying there's going to be a lot of head scratching in the press box some days because we're going to be like, is that a drop or is it an incompletion? Because it was a little bit high. And just because I hear this all the time from people, if your hands catch it, it's like, eh, you know, there's some nuance there. Sometimes if you're throwing a heat seeking missile and, you know, it's high, you're not going to catch it. And I hope you don't sit next to Joel Erickson because that's you're going to hear him <laughs> scream that in the press box. If they hit your hands, catch it. <laughs> oh my gosh! He, yeah, he's old school in that sense, and 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 if he if he hears this, he he knows that I mean it with love. They they get on me for being the young guy in in the, in the media room these days. So I think that a guy who uh, pointed that out was Drew Ogletree. He was like he has some heat on his ball. He has you know some get off. It's different catching a pass from him. So those touch accuracy, decision-making, those are the, the the biggest things to me. And obviously making it through the season healthy. I'm very curious to see how much they run him. Like it's a tool. It's an opportunity to move defense, manipulate defenses. But I'm also like, how long can you last that way? Because I don't know if we've seen in my era, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, a guy who plays a true dual threat quarterback, you know, sort of role and stay healthy for a very long time. The stay healthy part is tough. I mean, you bring up Lamar, but Lamar's had injury problems. And, yep. Yeah, uh, I mean, even Cam Jalen had Hurts a lot of injury a, problems. Yeah, Jalen, yeah, Jalen had a bit of a you know shoulder thing last year, but I don't think that was came because of a run. It was more like a you know he just got hit and got hurt. But all that to say, you create more opportunities for that risk when you do run. And so I'm just curious to see how much they balance that. But to me, it's all about can he become more accurate and deliver the ball on time, on target, without resorting back to okay, they're pressuring me. Let me just throw it off my back foot. Like there's going to be some times where he does some stuff off platform and you wouldn't teach it that way. We're just like, all right, well, yeah, you got a big arm, use it. But to me, it's all about the boring stuff, honestly. Like I've said this so many times. For example, Chris Paul is, he's an NBA reference, is an all-time great passer, but it's not because he throws a behind-the-back pass every single time he comes down the court. It's because within those 13 assists he might have, 
two of them are like highlight real passes, but the other 11 are just regular, regular basic bounce passes, chest passes, throw ahead passes. And to me, can Richardson do those things over and over and over again to the point where defenses are like, okay, we can't play him or force him to do that because he's going to pick us apart. He's not a pick you apart guy right now, but can he become that, you know, throughout the season? And he's not going to get there all in one year, but do you see again, tangible growth from week one to week 17? I think we've seen it throughout training camp. Cause even coming in, he was not looking like he looked in my opinion, like he looked at the end of camp. Like there were some times where I was like, wow, this guy's really you know, having a rough day, but slowly, but surely it got better. So that's my biggest thing for him. And it starts with him to move on from him. I hate to do it to you, Jim, but I think of the running back room. Like, what is the future of that room? If the JT saga continues, if he is a guy, they eventually trade, if they don't trade him and keep him, but he isn't healthy. There's a lot of factors within that. And so I'm just curious to know, like if they get to a point where AR has shown them enough without JT, where they're truly like, okay, well, let's get them healthy and, you know, sell high and, and, and let somebody know like, hey, you know, unlike last time we kind of put it out there, oh, we got him available. But it wasn't realistic. Oh, we want, you know, Jalen Waddle in return. Um, I think that if they have a really good showing offensively or at least show enough without JT, do you go to teams and say, hey, we're real about this, you know, and 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 we will consider, you know, a second round pick or a fifth round pick and, 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 and something else or some sort of realistic package. Do you move on from him and sort of embrace that running back by committee role that you use in Philadelphia if you're Shane Steichen now? Things opened up last year when you got A.J. Brown. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't because Miles Sanders had a thousand yard season that they had a, you know, run the Super Bowl. It was because, oh, no, we have so many dynamic guys that it opened up more lanes for our running back. And so that's the position I'm looking at for sure on the offense side of the ball. And then, you know, I mean, defensively, we'll talk about it a little bit more, but I know there are some guys I, I want to know if they're going to be here because DeForest Buckner, my friend, um, <laughs> great, great player, Jim. Fantastic guy. He will never. I, I. I can say this confidently. I will probably never write a negative headline about DeForest Buckner, unless it's like an injury. But you know he's loyal, and I'm. I'm almost like, are you loyal to a fault? Are you like Damian Lillard? Ing is that a verb? Lillarding yourself into being <laughs> yeah. in Indianapolis because you don't want to spurn your team, but at the same time, you know you're 29, 30 ish. Is it time for you to say, hey, I got to go chase another ring, you know, because this is a guy who has been to a Super Bowl, you know, and, and hasn't really tasted that success since then or had a real shot at it. And so I'm looking at you, Cincinnati. Like, would you be interested in a guy like that for a first, second round pick later this season? So those are some things that I'm looking at definitely. And as far as success goes, it comes down to AR and then what you can use throughout this season, what pieces you have to perhaps retain more assets to build around him going into next season, whether that's moving on from Buckner, whether that's moving on from JT, whether it's, you know, Josh Downs took a huge leap this season and he's more than a slot guy or more than just, you know, wide receiver three. He's like a wide receiver two type of guy or someone who can really open up your offense um, and be sort of like that, that misdirection moving around every single play, you know, jet sweeps, all those types of things. So we'll see. But again, I'll pound the the gavel or whatever the word the term is, uh, I was going to say javelin for a second, but the gavel I think is the right word. <laughs> um, and uh, it's AR. I mean, it's all about him. I mean, honestly, they could lose every single game because our defense gave up 50 points a game. If he looks good, everyone in that in that office is happy. Well, I was going to say, not everyone in the office is happy. Everyone in the in, in the Colts building is happy. The GM probably gets to keep his job, which I don't know that that's you know, on the table right now, but I'm just, you know, if AR looks terrible and the team looks terrible, that might come up. It's a factor. Um, 
not to bring in negativity. And what the record show, by the way, <laughs> you brought up Jonathan Taylor all on your own. I didn't even, I didn't even I know, write it down. I, no, you know what I did? I put a, I put a Jim Irsay, man. I was, I was good. I was good. I was talking and then it got in my head and I had to address it, man. So it is what it is. <laughs> it is. And actually, well, I mean, so you, you actually jumped me because I think you jumped to the next thing, which is I had predictions for, for storylines later in the season, but I actually think you merged it in a very interesting way. And as, as your editor, I'm going to make you write about this at one point. Okay. Um, it's just like, no, I, I mean, like, you know, the development of AR is obviously the number one success. I think the maybe the gelling or the figuring out of what you have at offensive line is right there. Because, again, one of those things that people don't talk about, I think, outside of Philadelphia, don't talk about enough of what made that offense so special is that they have they have freaking pro bowlers all over that offensive line. They And and so if you can get close again, anywhere near that, that is going to help Anthony Richardson do his job better. Stike can do his job better. And as you said, that running back by committee thing becomes a lot easier to do because Anybody can, you know, kind of pick up what that offensive line is giving them. But I am very curious, like, would a successful season be, you know, beyond the AR stuff, packaging the the assets that you have for future assets and and gathering stockpiling picks? Like, would you consider not a failure necessarily, but would it would it be a missed opportunity if they didn't move on from guys like Buckner? Grover Stewart is another guy. You could hey, you could just remake somebody's interior defensive line. Buckner and Grover Stewart. Here you go. Guys like that, or, or Jonathan Taylor, like, are you missing opportunities to 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 build for your future? Now, again, we're talking about a GM in Chris Ballard who has never really been very active at the trade deadline. I've had conversations with him about this. He's just not a big trade deadline guy. The prices don't, and that's usually, I mean, when I've talked to him, it's usually about buying. So we'll see what it is as a seller. Usually he said the prices are too high. I assume he's going to set his prices very high if he's selling. But it would be very interesting to say, like, yeah, you're right, Super Bowl contenders. Seattle, I mean, again, they're not that far away from being really good. Maybe they add a couple interior pieces on defensive line. Cincinnati's a great one. That does make a lot of sense. You, So I guess in your head, assuming this team is, say, say we're, say the Colts are two and six after eight weeks, even three and five, but two and so I think two and six is probably more realistic. Should Colts fans be disappointed if they don't move on from a couple of those guys? I think so, honestly. And, and, and I know there's going to be that, that fan who is mad. They're like, oh, they're giving away our best players. But honestly, when it comes to building and the way this team was built, they're built as if Anthony Richardson was the guy right now, like a franchise quarterback, you know, a top 10 guy right now. And they're not. They were a quarterback away, at least they thought so, for so long that now they're operating on two different timelines, so to speak, because you have this new wave of young talent headlined by Anthony Richardson, Josh Downs, and others, but you have this kind of you know old regime who's still here who's still talented but it's like will you ever have a true let's say three-year window where you can like chase a, a deep playoff run I don't know if it's going to happen that fast and it also could change very quickly I mean we, we're in a league where you know one fluke play you're out for a season you know and, and, do, and do you want to risk that playing for a team that may not be you know going very far so I think that it is Something they have to consider, and I wouldn't be shocked if, if that if that time came where they had a conversation with Buck or Grover or somebody else on the team, and they're like, you know what, we think we can move you for an asset, and, and thank you for whatever you gave to this franchise. And it's not contentious. I don't think it has to be. I think it could be very honestly easy in a sense because it, it's, it's you know I'll scratch my back, you scratch yours. Quit pro crow because I think that's a conversation that has to be had. You can't ignore it and just hold on because, and I get it. Leadership matters too. You don't want to get rid of like everyone in your locker room that is, you know, of value and, and adds a certain level of, of cachet to the room. But at the same time, I mean, if there's an opportunity out there to get better in the long term, I, I think you have to look at that more than anything, especially again, if 
you know, come three, four months from now, you're saying Anthony Richardson is our guy. He He's proved to us he's a dude. Because to me, once you figure that out, the rest of the stuff usually comes a little bit easier. Now, it still takes, takes some building. You know, Cincinnati was in a unique position because, you know, they got Joe Burrow. He got hurt. And they ended up with Jamar Chase because he got hurt. And so that's a little bit different. But at the same time, you know, anytime you can stockpile draft picks for any reason, and especially if you end up with another another high pick this upcoming season, whatever you can do to manipulate your position in the draft and get another dynamic playmaker will be huge for them. So we'll see. But I, I would say that I'm leaning more towards that being a possibility, like more than like not being a possibility. I'm saying it, it could happen, at least in my mind, more than it not happening at all. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. I think that Chris Ballard, I know you didn't, you know, you, you say you, you know he's changing. We can see that with some of these contract negotiations sure. and, and no, things right. like that. So um, people say, oh, he's never done this. He also paid a bunch of people that maybe he didn't really, you know, feel that great about paying at this point in time right now. So could he, you know, change philosophy as far as his trading as well? We'll see how it goes. But I think that this new era warrants a new line of thinking. I think that's totally fair. And I think that it's not coincidental. I think you and I didn't bring up any of trade candidates. You know, we didn't mention anybody on the offensive line, even if they are veteran and may not be here for the long haul. We didn't mention Michael Pittman, which I'm sure it'll come up. I think people might mention Michael Pittman as trade. But again, I think you and I are thinking about this as defense. You could take the pieces like it doesn't matter too much. You can build build again. But on offense, if anything you're doing that might potentially harm Anthony Richardson's development, don't do that. Like, and again, Jonathan Taylor being kind of the exception because that's a whole different thing at this point um, with his relationship with that. And honestly, but, he hasn't been with JT. I know we talk about development and all that. He hasn't even worked with the guy. They have not done an on-field activity together. So as much as we talked about it, we haven't even seen it. I think it would work well, but at the same time, I'm kind of at the point now where it's like, I can't say what he would or wouldn't do with AR because AR's development to this point has had nothing to do with JT and it could just stay that way. For sure. No, like I said, and I don't mind trading. Again, if you can get decent assets for a running back on the last year of his rookie deal. I think that's probably a good move to make. So are there any other, we talked about, kind of about trade dev, or, you know, trades that might be kind of some storylines that happen mid season. Is there anything else mid season or maybe earlier or a little bit later that you could see, I don't know, you're writing about, you're talking about, obviously other than the Jonathan Taylor situation, is there anything else that you're like, in the back of your mind, you're going, ah, maybe that, that is, there's something kind of festering there. Yeah. I think it's Jalen Jones. I, I feel like he's a okay. guy who could be someone well, right. who makes some plays and not even from a necessarily like he's playing it, you know, defensive back or cornerback. It's like, you know, how much can this guy flash on special teams? Can he become a dude? And also I, I want to know what they do at wide receiver. And that's probably a better storyline that I look at later in the season. I mean, Jalen Jones is kind of that thing in the back of my mind where I'm like, I really like this kid, his mentality, his story, his humility, all those things. And he looks like, I mean, according to everyone else, he's he, he's a dude. And 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 and, and it's cool because the NFL is funny where, you know, you get so much hype and recognition based off where you're drafted and then you get there and you realize, I mean, obviously a lot of the best players are drafted high because they were just good all their lives, but there are every now and then some dudes who really turn into really good pros and they were never really that hyped before that. Um, so that's, that's definitely a factor to think of, but I would say wide receiver is a topic that I'm definitely going to revisit throughout the season. You know, Alec Pierce is, is somebody I'm very like, okay, by the midway, midway point of this season, I'm writing, okay, he's a dude. He's someone that you can build around or I'm writing. Wow. They might've missed on this pick. Yeah. That's just the honest truth. I think he knows that. And he is, has been very hard on himself. He's a really good dude. I'm um, not a bad person. I think I want to always preference my critiques by saying that. But 
I mean, this is a what have you done for me league. And I think that he hasn't done a lot throughout preseason, just preseason. But, you know, come week eight, nine, ten, you know, I think we'll have a strong enough or a big enough sample size by then to say, all right, this guy is built for it or he isn't built for it. So that's definitely a bigger storyline is that wide receiver room. Because right now, I believe we only have four wide receivers on the roster. And, you know, it's Alec, it's Pittman, it's Josh Downs, and it's Isaiah McKenzie. So, I mean, do they roll with that? Do they just have a two tight end set the entire season? Or Yeah, the 12 personnel the whole way, man. Yeah, yeah and I, I'm like, I'm just curious to know uh, how that looks and how that all kind of comes together. So that's one of those things where I'm curious. We've hyped up, you know, Shane Steichen is his offensive guru, and I don't think that he's, like, going to lose his ability to coach or, or manipulate offenses, but it is different because he's not working with a – super, super talented roster like he did in Philadelphia. And I think now we're going to see, okay, how real is this dude? That's a great call. It's, it's, I think I've, I've given Shane Steichen a lot of credit for what we saw in Philadelphia. Obviously Nick Sirianni from Colts fans know well, deserves a lot of credit for that as well. But I don't think enough times I, I, I take that into account of he was working with a, a Pro Bowl laden roster. It was, a, I mean, you got two all pro level receivers in, in Devonta Smith and, and AJ Brown. Like I said, you got pro bowlers across the offensive line, probably a couple of hall of famers and, and Jason Kelsey and, and Lane Johnson. So yeah, they had plenty of talent. I ended an MVP candidate, at quarterback. So when you lay it all out like that, it makes me think I could probably call a pretty good offense. <laughs> but yeah. All right. So last thing I, I, I want to get into the season. I know it's a little, yeah. I mean, like I said, maybe it's a, maybe it's a little bit predictable or whatever, but I kind of want to get into your season predictions. I will say this. I watched Shane Seiken's presser yesterday, or at least part of it. I found it somewhat refreshing that he had zero idea that the Colts hadn't won uh, their first game. That in, man know, was 100, lying. 100 years. That oh, you think he was lying? was lying? Yes, yes. <laughs> I think he was lying. And the reason I say this is because Shane Steichen is so detail-oriented that there is no way, because guys in the locker room have talked about it, I'm sure, there's no way he did not know. But I will say his poker face is chef's kiss. I was going to say, I believed it. I bought it. I mean, I don't know him as well as you do, but I, you know, I bought it. So <laughs> I, the next time I get him off the record or we're, I'm like, you no, I'm not falling for this. And, and, and maybe, I mean, he truly didn't know because he's so locked in, but I'm not buying it. Like there's no way you don't know that. The reason I think he probably doesn't know is because Jim Irsay. Cause I, I remember Frank Reich being like, it's a big week one. Jim Irsay really wants to get off on the right foot. He would say it every, you know, the last couple of years. So I bet Jim Irsay has probably said something to him. Uh, but let me ask you, because I, I don't know if any of you guys got a chance, you or anybody listening got a chance to read Zach Kiefer's uh, profile on uh, Jonathan Gannon, the head coach of the Oh, Cardinals. I got to check that out. I haven't had a chance to read it just yet. It was really, really good, obviously. A lot of cool stuff in there, and uh, definitely check it out. There was a, a section where he talked about talking to Shane on the phone, and he had mentioned how when he got to Arizona, or I'm sorry, well, I'll start with the other one. When Shane got to uh, Indy, he put up a bunch of signs. And Jonathan was like, laughed and said, oh, that's funny. When I got to Arizona, I took all of them down. He doesn't like a lot of the rah-rah stuff. And you can read it any way you want. I was just wondering, I guess my question for you is, is does Shane come across as kind of corny in a good way? Because I think, that's again, this is this is a person, I like Frank Reich. I thought he was kind of corny in a good way. Like he liked those kind of building around some, some phrases type of thing. Or is he not? I don't know. What's kind of your impression there? He's definitely a, an interior designer because we talked to him about his office. And he said that, I think when Reich was here, it was more like plain. It was kind of just, you know, regular office. He said he's put up a bunch of like just different figures from the Colts history. So he has like a Marvin Harrison up there, Reggie Wayne or some inspiration. Okay. So he has yeah. like those things. And he says like, I don't know if they're posters or fatheads or whatever, but he has them in his office sort of like 
add some uh some football fat head in, in such a long time I know, right oh <laughs> i don't know what they're called now i mean i don't want to call it a decal or whatever but point fat being head. it seems like it. he's enjoyed uh uh kind of renovating and adding onto his own space so i think he he does kind of buy into some of that like seeing it every day sort of thing yeah yeah, yeah. Being reminded of it uh, subconsciously, even if he doesn't say it, you're going to like see it everywhere. So on the locker room itself, when I walked in there, I didn't notice anything different because I was looking to see, OK, is there any posters? Is there any, you know, uh, different as far as the setup where are certain players located in the locker room? It's more or less the same as it was last year. But he did say that he renovated his own internal space. And so that that to me at least confirmed that. He thinks a little bit outside of football because he likes the aesthetics of it. But it was very still football because he's like, I didn't put up. He didn't mention, you know. A uh, picture of the family, which I'm sure he has on his desk or something. <laughs> the first thing he said was, you know, I had to get some greats up there on the wall. And I was like, all right, that makes sense. I was about to say, he strikes me as the kind of guy who doesn't have a family during football season. But I don't mean that. I just mean, like, he's very, he seems like a guy who's very locked. No, I job. truly think yeah. that it's like, you know, maybe 14 hours of my day, 16 hours of my day is football. The other, you know, when I go home, I'm like locked in for those, you know, two or three hours that I'm with them or whatever. And then sleeping. I sleep a little <laughs> bit and it's just yeah. like what it is and because he i mean he said it i mean the only thing in his life that will ever pull him away from the game is his family and they all have bought into obviously him being a coach so it's you know it's the best of both worlds and um i'll probably talk some more about it at the end of the season to kind of get his gauge on it like how do you balance you know your father i mean how, how do you think you're gonna balance it when you get to the end of the year like are there some things you, you do differently going forward to balance it out better and so he is a guy who again is very family oriented but loves football i mean he it's almost boring in a sense because he doesn't get off topic ever uh and so you never have to worry about transcribing a lot of shane steichen because it's, he's never going to veer off into his favorite show or what he saw on the news or what's happening you know around town he is going to be you know uh yeah this is our opponent this is who we're facing this is what's going on and it's very uh routine in that sense but i mean like i've said before you can be you know, very outspoken. You can be, you know, Nick Sirianni or you can be Shane Steichen. It doesn't matter to the fan base or to people around the world if you win. That's his goal. And, and we'll see if they can start it with a win. Having won a season opener since 2013, I was a junior in high school. So we'll see if it changes. It would be quite <laughs> the upset, I think. Yeah. yeah. It would be quite the upset if that happened. I mean, I'm not saying it's not a possibility. I just think that the Jaguars will probably get it done, uh, and, and that will be one of the 12 losses for the Colts this season. I have them at 5-12 and 12 for those listening, 5-12. and 12. It's on the record before the season starts, and I will say to any Colts player listening, if you even listen to what I have to say, prove me wrong, all right? Like, it's not personal. Prove me wrong. Like, I, hey, I'm not saying I wouldn't want to cover more wins. That makes my job easier, but I do think they're going to be 5-12 and 12 with – because to me, you can't lose twice to Houston. You can't lose twice to, to Tennessee, and I think you're going to steal a game that you probably shouldn't somewhere else. So there, and, and, and even like you know some some of these other teams, I'm like there's there's there, the Rams. There's opportunities to possibly get a win um, against some teams, uh, and their schedule isn't that hard in my opinion. Like it's kind of weak, but there's also a, a lot of you know nuance and, and and newness to their team. So we'll see. But um, I'm five and twelve. How about you, Jim? Where, where are you going? I'll go one step further. I'll go six and eleven. And again, it's I think you and I are kind of in lockstep on where we see the Colts right now. But as like I said, I pulled up the schedule and there's just too many there's just too many winnable games here. <laughs> like, I mean, there's just too many teams that there I see Tampa here, I think they can beat. I see Carolina, I think they could beat. I see, like I said, two against Tennessee. Again, I will see. I think that those will be tougher, but obviously two but against two Houston. Two against Houston, right? I'm like, you can't yeah. lose both to Houston. I think I think one of them you have to win. 
So the, the Raiders, the Raiders game. aren't going to be the Raiders aren't going to be very good this year. I'll say this: if the Colts beat the Raiders, that would be the funniest thing ever. Because I'm calling my dad the diehard Raiders fan, and he would just ah be nice. So mad. He would be so <laughs> mad, and he's still like he has to break that habit of I don't work for the Colts, but in his mind, he's like your team playing my team this week, and it would just be so funny if Anthony Richardson <laughs> lit them up. So let's see what happens during that week. But like you said, when we look at those games. There are wins there, but I do think. As much as we look at wins there, there could be some painful losses like we saw last year where you're, you're right there and you maybe can't get over the hump because you are inexperienced or you can't make that last part, get that last stop. If it's four, I won't be surprised, honestly. Like I said, I, I was tempted going into the show, but hey, I said positivity today. So I'm going one more. Six wins is a good – That's a, listen, if, if they get to six wins and Anthony Richardson plays well, I think every Colts fan should go into the offseason feeling like great about the way things are going. Again, it's maybe not what you want to hear at the end of this podcast, but like I'm just telling you, six wins and Anthony Richardson as like you know again, I being in Chicago and 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 you know watching the Bears too, like that's been the hardest part with Fields has been like we still don't know, no one we don't know. Like again, year one was like ah, it was a kind of a disaster, but Nagy was bad, so let's get him out of here. Second year starts off rough, but second and then he has this really good run, but then it kind of finishes rough. Like you're entering year three now. And you still don't know. So, like, just the luxury of knowing would be such a big thing for the Colts. It's Richardson. We're building around him. That's it. Like, that's that. We know that would be such a huge plus for the Colts this year. Absolutely. And uh, I'll let you uh, sign us off and give give yeah. you a first shot at it. And uh, we'll get out of here. I have some things coming, like Jim said, about Anthony Richardson. I think you're really going to enjoy. So stay tuned for that. And I'm excited to catch up with you all next time after an actual game, Jim. We'll have actual game coverage to break down. I'm so, so damn excited about it. I really am. So, all right, yeah, thank you for thank you for joining us. Yeah, I, I said, let me let me reiterate what James said, first of all. Really cool story on, on Anthony Richardson. I got my first read on it uh, this morning before the podcast started. It's excellent. You guys are going to love it. He's got something special coming for you, cooking up on Sunday. Uh, that's going to be great. So check that out, too. And, yeah, we'll probably be back, I'm guessing, Monday morning to recap their first game. Again, can't tell you how excited I am to watch actual NFL football to actually get to watch these Colts. So join us then, and thanks for joining us now.